From the game gurus at Snakes and Lattes, you're listening to the Snakes Cast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast, everyone. I'm Jonathan Moriarty. Joining me this week are Steve Tassie. Hola. And Maddie McLean. Hola. We are going to talk about economic games this week. No, don't turn the podcast off. Don't run away. It's not going to be all dry and boring and stuff. Actuarial tables. <laughs> Just what everybody wants when they want to have a nice, pleasant night of board gaming. Um, the fact is that econ- economics run deep in board gaming DNA. Uh, Monopoly, the world's probably most famous board game, is an economic game at heart. Settlers of Catan, you know, the new hotness, the one that for a lot of people replaced Monopoly, is also about economics and supply and demand for different materials which you use to build stuff, which you use to get more materials. Uh, a lot of economic games explore these things in different ways. Some of them explore economics through strategy and planning, so like Power Grid or Suburbia. Uh, Others do it through social interaction, alliances, and betrayal, business deals like Intrigue or I'm the Boss. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them explore the idea of making money through labor and production like La Havre, Agricola, or Puerto Rico. Others explore profit through war and conquest like Axis and Allies or City of Remnants. And still others are about making money through fast and decisive action like Panic on Wall Street or Pit. Um, Pit's an economic game, right? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Just trading things fast and trying to get a corner of the market on something. Sure, that's economic. Uh, Do you guys like economic games? Dollar dollar bills, y'all! What does that mean? I don't know. I'm I'm too white to know what that means, Steve. It it means money. Oh, okay. We we live in a capitalist society. Even if you you hate money, you you buy into the uh, love of money is the root of all evil thing, we all love playing to get rich. Okay. So, uh... I didn't realize it until you really started going through it. just like, this is an economic game. And this is... I'm just like... That's like all of my favorite games. <laughs> that's Like, I'm the bosses in there. Intrigue. Like, they all deal with an element of money. Way all more games dollars. than people think of are economic-based. Um, I mean, sure. You've got games out there like, say, Rampage, or as it's now, now known legally... Terror in Meeple City that totally not economic. There are games out there that have nothing to do with economy. Like Connect Four or Cranium or Suro. Great game, not an economy game. But anything that has me earning or spending, whether it's dollar bills or Escudo or Electro Bucks or (laughs) Wheat and Sheep, it's an economic game. So so you like economic games because you like playing to get rich. I like playing games, and the vast majority <laughs> seem to have an economic part well, to them. We should say the vast majority of good ones. Sure. <laughs> and by good ones, Maddie, we mean stabby ones where you get to make your friends cry. Well, not just that, but that's a, that's a, that's a big part of it, yes. yes. Okay, so that's the appeal of them for you. Are there any economic games that you don't care for? Hotels. Okay. Hotels, I think, is one of the... What, 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 is, what is it about hotels that, uh, I mean, I've just got those awesome little models. It is, of the it is completely my own experience with it, okay. but I played an impossible game of that where I didn't land on a single hotel the entire time. Oh. <laughs> Any game that has a random dice rolling mechanic, I will generally frown upon. If, if that happened in Monopoly and you didn't land on a single hotel the whole time, you'd probably be doing pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm guessing this is sort of the opposite of that. Yeah. Um, Steve, any, any, are there any economic games that sort of turned you off? Yeah. Um, I'm not an Agricola fan. Uh, that one doesn't do it for me, um, but uh, as I said, there's nothing wrong with the theme. It's just I didn't care for that implementation of the theme. And uh, okay, well let's 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 get into some details about what makes a game an economic game. Obviously, money. 
or some form of currency that you can earn and use to pay for things. The, uh, we've already mentioned the materials and settlers. The, uh, if you're playing Kemet, then prayer points are going to be your currency. Use that to pay for troops and to build pyramids and so on. Your cash and monopoly, your power grid or others. But here's the thing. In my opinion, not all games with money are economic games. Take cash and guns, for example. Is that an economic game? And we just talked about it in the spotlight a little while ago. I don't think that's an economic game. Ultimately, because it's not about earning money; it's about. But it kind of is in the new one, with the mm, with the I addition with the set, of the... With the set collecting that is there. But uh, you don't get things that allow you to earn more things. It's that's uh, it doesn't have that uh, that sort of economic snowball thing, or, or say small world. Unless you consider bullets currency. Bullets mm-hmm. are a form of currency which you do turn into other things. So I suppose that could be well. Mm-hmm. Actually, no. The bullets only are used to dissuade others. Yes, but you can earn more bullets. That's true. Uh, okay. This is this is rabbit. It's, it's, it's right on the edge. It's right on the edge. I mean, in small world, for example, money is just a way of keeping score. That's all it is. And you uh, and, and technically you can spend it to get other races. But I mean, is small world an economic game? I, I don't think so. Well, um, a little bit. In that, um, depending on what races and powers are in play, you have a supply and demand factor for. I'm the dwarves. I want the mining territories. If you're going to take the mining territories, I'm going to take them away from you. <laughs> um, so in that regard, it's a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think it's a valid point that just because you've got coins in it and you use those coins to uh, to represent how victorious you were in a particular turn, that doesn't necessarily make it, strictly speaking, economic. But I, I think there are enough possible interplays in it that I wouldn't just outright laugh at you if you right. said Small World was an economic game. That's, uh, well, if somebody, uh, a little bit of inside baseball here, folks. On the famous board game website, boardgamegeek.com, there's a frequent joke that comes out on the wargaming forums uh, as the question of whether or not Small World counts as a war game. Now, there is war, and there are people killing each other, but for the most part, the wargamers on BGG will tell you quite emphatically that Small World is not a war game question of whether or not it's an economic game is something else, but eh, we should do an episode about that sometime. Uh, have you guys played Tales of the Arabian Nights? I have. I haven't, yes. but I've played the James Bond version, Agents of Smirch. <laughs> well, in Tales of the Arabian Nights, each player has a wealth level, so you can be f- uh, fabulously rich, or you can be wealthy, or you can be, uh, uh, you know, you can be well off, you can be destitute, you can be poor, you can be a beggar. And uh, it's not about currency, it's just that you do have a wealth level, and the more money you have, the more slowly you travel. Because you have to deal with all of your baggage trains and all this other stuff. Entourage. Exactly. Uh, But also, sometimes being wealthy can be useful for different encounters to get into. Is Tales of the Arabian Nights an economic game? Probably not. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Money has an effect on you, but you don't really use money. That's the thing. It's it's, it's just uh, another one of your stats. Well, how Um, is it in Agents of Smirsh? It isn't. Yeah, there is no. So then, money. then it, if by retrospect you can't really say it's yeah. So then there's uh, supply. The question of supply and demand. When something is scarce, the perceived value of it or the value of it goes up. So in Settlers of Catan, for example, if nobody rolls any fours or fives, and that's where the clay is, clay becomes really scarce. And anytime somebody manages to get clay, it's gold. And clay has a higher demand value anyway because right. it's you for need roads. it for roads and you need it to to start up new settlements. Without that, you can't play. Um, so to me, I mean, wood and clay are right off the hop the most important in the early game. Uh, and if you don't generate that 
your economy is doomed to fail. I prefer the term treason, treason bricks. <laughs> treason bricks? Treason bricks. We got rocks what sort streets. of heretic are you? There are plenty of games that have this. I mean, in suburbia, if there's a particular building that nobody wants, it's going to go down in value. If there's one that everybody wants, somebody will snap it up while it still costs a ton power, of money. Power grid, stock market. Exactly. Markets. The supply and demand, if people buy uh, uranium fuel rods more quickly than they're being replenished, then the price is going to go up. If people aren't buying oil as fast as it gets, gets replenished, the price of oil goes down. Axis and Allies does a similar thing with a stock market element. You're uh, thinking about supremacy. Am I? I thought yeah. Axis did it too. Nope. No. Okay, so supremacy does it with uh, with with oil and grain and minerals. Those that are the, the three resources. But in that uh, game. so th this is something that a lot of economic games use, but not all of them. Certainly, uh, there's plenty of economic games out there that don't have that supply and demand. Uh, trading can often sort of facilitate supply and demand and make certain things more valuable because you can get stuff for them from other people. Settlers is famous for this one. But uh, that sort of open free-for-all trading is not actually available in a lot of games because it kind of destabilizes the game and takes away from you know the, the, the gamey aspects of it and turns it mostly into just one big negotiation. And then other games are nothing but that. There is I'm that. I'm the boss. Like I'm the boss, for example. <laughs> it's just purely about the discussion, how much you're willing to take for this. Although, in I'm the boss, I don't think you can actually give money that you've previously earned for deals, can you? Uh, I think no. so. I it's still I don't believe it's mentioned in the rules either way, so it depends if you are uh, proscriptive or descriptive. <laughs> uh. The uh, in in Dice Town, for example, there's uh, there there's gold nuggets and there's money, and there's a very specific way that you can use that. You can use it to bribe the sheriff to make them do what you want. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's 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 quite constrained usually in most games. Trading is not something you see in a lot of these. Uh, the thing to the, to me that really kind of makes something an economic game is the idea of the production <clears throat> snowball. You invest in things that are profitable right. so that you can get more money, so that you can invest in more things that give you more profit, and it just sort of builds and builds. Vegas Showdown does that. Power Grid does it. Yep. Dominion. Suburbia. It's, I think that's a big part of the appeal of these kinds of games. Many economic games have this, and that sense of getting stronger over the course of the game is, is a big part of why these things are popular. So if that's the appeal of, um, of, of, these, of these economic games... What, uh, how does it make you feel to play these things? When it goes well, you know, when, when, when it does what it's supposed to do, what do these games offer? Dollar, dollar bills, yo! Yeah, you, get to, you get to feel smart. You get to feel how the 1% lives. You get to feel <laughs> like you get to feel powerful and that you're actually being able to do things with successful and worthwhile. Yeah, unlike in your pathetic regular life where, of course, you have no money and you're broke all the time. Like the folks in the 1930s who thrilled to playing Monopoly and made it the massive smash that it was. And... They still can't play it right today. It's just, <laughs> it's just a thing. You know, somebody should do a study to find out when people brought in those awful house rules. You know, when did that actually happen, culturally I'm pretty speaking. sure it happened immediately after the <laughs> game was released. So, um, are these... Uh, are, that's, here's a good question. Are any of these games really an effective simulation of real-world economics? I feel like Pitt is bang on. <laughs> just give me this and you take this and then we're good and you don't actually know what you're getting in exchange nope. and they don't know what they're giving them yeah. I do have to admit that with Pitt I've seen movies where there are scenes on the stock market floor with people right. just yelling and, and yelling waving numbers, fingers exactly. at each other and I've seen people play Pitt and before I ever actually understood how Pitt worked watching one watching the other basically identical absolutely <laughs> um, two 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 one one exactly <sighs> So that, that definitely does work for that. But um, simulation-wise, the, the only game that I know of that was really designed from the ground up to be a 
actual simulation of real economics was something called uh, was, it, was it the rich dad poor dad thing cash flow cash flow cash flow 101 that was mm. the one yeah and what it really was was a simulation of uh, you know now you're mentioning one percent how to basically live off your investments and not do any real work <laughs> um but it's it. Th this is the thing. If you made a game that was that actually did simulate, I've seen that game for sale for over three hundred dollars. Yes, uh, but yeah. Th to, to be honest, I find real world economics to be incredibly boring. <laughs> well, I think that's why the reason why they made a game about it. If you can make something exciting, then suddenly the boring thing looks like. It well, the way they made it exciting was by making it so that fortunes can be gained and lost very quickly, and everybody starts out on an equal footing. Um, yeah. I'd, yeah, that would be an interesting switch to uh, Monopoly. Start it where one person has, you know, $200,000 to start with and everyone else has fact, 20 bucks. If you take it back to the predecessor of Monopoly, the game was originally based the on the landlord Landlord's game. game, then that was basically what it was. It was a lesson on why this is a bad idea. Um, so would that make it one of the first one versus many games? Uh, in a way, yes. Huh. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was actually sort of an overall dog-eat-dog -dog mm. sort of thing. But uh, yeah, you had the option to go for the monopolist approach or to go for a more of a collectivist approach. And the idea was you were supposed to realize, as the lesson of the game, the collectivist way is better. Well, that sounds like socialism. It uh, kind <laughs> of is. But that, that's, that's the thing, though. If you ever do try to bring in real-world economics, suddenly you have to start remembering, wait a second, these are actually real people, or at least simulations of real people, who have families, and it kind of sucks the fun out of it. Yeah. You, you, you need to abstract these things out. You know, you want to have, you know, park place and boardwalk. You want to have three, three, one, one, you know, instead yeah. of actual economic stuff. Because not only does things get very, very complicated, but also things really get kind of depressing, don't they? People leapt out of buildings in <laughs> the, uh, the crash. That actually so. happened. Brought to you by Snakes and Lattes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lahav is a great game. I love it. I love the economic engine driving it, but it's not a realistic in any stretch. Um, Same with me and Power Grid. It's right up there. Like the, the thing about Lahav that is the most unrealistic is I send my workers to a location and no one else can go there. Right. In the real world, I send my workers to a location to use the facilities, and then someone else comes along, and if it's busy, well, they'll offer more money. Mm -hmm. You know, the why not? These systems are really sensitive. Yeah. They're more complicated than uh, than any sort of uh, tabletop game could properly get across. I'll pay you an extra 20% to let me use that facility before the guy who's already there. And I'll pay you an extra 25 yeah. and so it goes. It, it winds up taking forever. Um, I remember when I used to play the old Civilization computer game uh, from Microprose. The, uh, the Sid Meier one? Yeah. The, uh, what would happen was that you would send caravans from one city to another and they would form a trade route, which would magically create more money in the cities at both ends of that trade route. Every turn you would just get money from it. The farther apart the cities were, the more money you would get. And there was never any question of where this came from. And it led me to have some slightly erroneous ideas about profit generated from trade when I was <laughs> younger and more foolish than I am today. But uh, it's, I, I guess the moral of the story is economic games are probably not a good way to learn about real-world economics, except in the most, at the most basic level, supply and demand, yeah. you know, this sort of thing. More people want it, it costs more. Exactly. Uh, they are, however, an excellent way to have fun, mm. if you have the temperament for it. Try some out the next time you visit, it at Snakes, at, at, visit us at Snakes and Lattes. Until then, I'm Jonathan Moriarty with Steve Tassie and Maddie McLean. Game on. Dollar dollar bills, y'all! <sighs> Thanks for listening. You can find more from the Game Gurus by subscribing to the Snakes and Lattes YouTube channel or by visiting our blog. Just go to snakesandlattes.com and click where it says blog up near the top of the page. 
Until next week, I'm P.T. Douglas. Game on.